0: You have what? I
1: have marshmallows.
0: That's good to know. Are they good marshmallows? Like
1: self-loathing and hatred.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have heard that before. But do you put them in (laughs) hot chocolate or coffee or anything else, or you just eat them plain? Yes. All the things. All right, but uh, we're not here to talk about marshmallows, so. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans, it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies, a place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. So without further ado, climb out of your couch, get over your food coma. The turkey has passed. Now let's talk sci-fi. The marshmallows are still here. The marshmallows are still here. So Jeremy Spires, can you introduce yourself to the audience?
2: Yeah, I'm Jeremy Spires, like he just said. Uh, author of the Ashes of Eternity series and owner founder of Spire's Productions.
0: All right. And uh, how high is Spire's production?
2: How high is it?
0: Does it go to the sky, the Spire? That was supposed to be funny. It didn't sound funny when I said it out loud. All right, we'll move on.
1: JR, remember people keep telling women this is six inches.
0: So if I tell them it's funny long enough they'll laugh? Is that what you're telling me? (laughs)
1: I'm breaking Jeremy. Oh, all right. <laughs>
2: Sorry. All right. Uh, so uh,
0: do you need a breather? Do a shot of tequila, something to recover from uh, from her? Uh, no, uh, I'm all right. I got my die. coffee.
2: That's, that's part of the problem. I've had too much.
0: <laughs> all right. So the next part of the introduction, dear listeners, how we first found them. So uh, I actually met Jeremy through the Galaxy's Edge uh, fan club, where he is an active member. And... Um, we BS over all the things nerdy and military, um, but I understand, Doc. You probably met him at a bar because that's where you meet all the cool people,
1: right? I don't think he's been to any bars that I've been at of late. I, don't I mean, not go it's to been, bars. So I just run them at DragonCon.
0: So that means most authors she knows she met there. So it's 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 a running joke. She meets everyone at a bar, but she doesn't go to meetings, so it's okay.
1: I don't do meetings. That's why I do podcasts.
0: There you go. So we're like your therapy hour. Good God, help us all.
1: <laughs>
0: Wait, does that mean we get paid? Because I hear therapists make good money.
1: I have no idea. Can you I don't know, if you're, you're getting paid, then I need to get up my salary.
0: <laughs> all right. So, Doc, the religion question. Let's get this back on track.
1: Okay, Arrival. Signs of war of the signs or war of the worlds. There's arrival, a coming. There.
2: Hands down. What was that? Arrival, absolutely, Arrival. That was an excellent film. What
0: is it you liked about it?
2: Um, for one thing, I the cinematics were beautiful. That was that was a big part of it. The cinematics were really good. The acting was really well done. Um, the concept and theory that aliens would need to teach us something to help them in the future is actually really clever. Um, it implies um, a higher technology, a lot of time travel, and just kind of an overall grander view of the universe, which is something that humans definitely lack overall. And that really interested me and kept me riveted, really.
1: Yeah, but I don't know. I, I enjoyed it, but I also didn't enjoy that one. There was a certain aspect of it that reminded me very much of a short story I once read on um Time, but it, it was an enjoyable movie. I like that it it had a lot more thought in it than most first contact movies do so
2: yeah definitely had a lot more a lot more played out um action activity i can't talk this morning sorry
0: so so for me it would have been war of the world only because the history of the actual like that goes behind the movie with the radio drama and they didn't tell people it was a radio drama so people really thought that was real yeah <laughs> uh,
2: was it, what was to the it? radio was it uh, what was his name uh I yeah, want to say Orwell, and I know that's wrong, but who is that? Orson Scott? No.
1: No. No.
2: Uh, H.G. Wells. Thank you. Thank you. My God. I just drew a blank.
1: I think what's so impressive about War of the Worlds is it has... H.G. Wells wrote a very long time ago, and it has managed to age still fairly well with a few updates along the way.
0: It yeah. was written in 1897.
1: So really? it was almost as old as you, Jr.
2: Almost. Almost. Needs a few more years. Probably not as much arthritis, though.
1: <laughs> Probably not.
2: But
0: it's not service-connected, so it's okay.
2: Yeah, it never is. <laughs> no. It never so, is.
1: So, on to the polytheistic aspect. The Mummy, Van Helsing, or Sleepy Hollow?
2: Oh, that's a really tough one. Can I pick multiples? Mm-hmm. Um I'm going to have to go with Mummy and Sleepy Hollow. Um, why Sleepy Hollow? Because Christina Ricci is hot. Um, everyone thinks <laughs> so, I think. Yeah. Um, but also the, I guess the religious aspect of it wasn't as uh, powerful. It wasn't like the God God versus the Devil. It was just, you know, evil versus good, and it wasn't even really good. It was just like evil versus uh, curiosity, uh, the mummy. Because I mean, come on, it's Emotep, right? Like everybody's read something about Emotep, and. You know the overall egyptians view of space and the stars the way they built their temples pyramids i guess we would call them but i mean aliens just absolutely them, all the stuff the that they channel? did i'm sorry what
0: aliens wrote them don't you watch or built them didn't you watch the history channel
2: oh yeah i always i mean you know but watching after dark t-rex has served in world war one too but you know whatever
0: <laughs> and so because we know his wife listens we just want you to know that he did say that you were hotter than all of them though right before we get on air it wasn't his fault that we didn't hit the start button in time so Are please don't make me? him sleep she, on the couch
2: she's the one who says that christina Ricci's hot so i mean
0: <laughs> okay well then you're okay i was trying to help you out there brother
2: trust me my wife she's she is the main the secondary main character of my books and she knows how i see her
0: oh well, that is good so did you not like um van helsing at all
2: no I didn't. I never did. I, I've never been big into the vampires and the werewolves. And I mean, I, I understand like uh I understand why a lot of people are, but I just don't like it. I, I just think it's silly.
1: I'm pretty okay with them as long as they don't sparkle.
2: <laughs> I got a good story about that. I'm gonna have to tell you something. Glitter glitter
1: glitter is a crafting STD.
2: Yes, it is. It's like the herpes of the craft world. It it absolutely is.
1: So which was your first love sci-fi or fantasy
2: sci-fi i've i've read all of the tolkien books that are i guess what would you call it uh mandatory if you want to be a writer
1: it does seem to be so
2: yeah but i'm not a huge fan i uh excuse me for just a moment i need to uh Okay. Sorry, I need to check a text message. They're important. I'm not a big fantasy fan. I, I never was big into orcs and goblins and stuff like that. And I say that with a addendum that I was never really big into that until I was older um, and more recently than I'd like to admit when uh, Nick and Jason released the uh, Wargate books, Forgotten Ruin. Absolutely incredible. So I started getting into those. My first love of sci-fi uh, was started when I was about three years old. So, you know, in ancient history. Uh my dad actually rented um a new hope from blockbuster again dating myself so uh i, found my I sat down and watched it with recently. him at three and i can still remember how exciting it was and i asked him if there was another one like that and he said yeah and he went and he went back to blockbuster the same night and rented uh,
0: uh
2: empire and yeah. Return of the jedi and i'll tell you what i i fell in love with that i must have watched i mean then i think the next year dad bought it for me uh you know like the, the trilogy set and i think i probably watched that Eight or 900 times the tapes actually broke and uh, I had to get a new set so (laughs) I've always kind of been in love with sci-fi after that
1: nope that's awesome so what is it that you love about sci-fi uh
2: I love the adventure aspect I love the science aspect behind it like uh on the adventure aspect you know you know luke and leia and stuff like that doing their missions and trying to save the galaxy it was always interesting but it was, at the same time it was like there was more lore behind it you could tell there was more like okay you're talking we're talking a story about three people in the galaxy but there's more than that obviously so um yeah i i like that and then uh i really like the science part like you know i started falling in love with star trek and you know they would it wasn't just about you know military stuff it wasn't just about fighting wars it was about you know spatial anomalies that uh you know mirror universes and that kind of thing the multiverse just really got me going into a lot of that stuff really heavily more heavily than i'd like to admit
0: no shame so how did your love of speculative fiction so sci-fi fantasy horror the whole umbrella um transition into you writing stories in this
2: space Okay. Well, that's actually a good, yeah. <laughs> so basically what happened was, is I, I rented a book from the library in, uh, in Washington when I lived there and I don't remember what it was called anymore. Cause it was so bad. I read uh, the first eight chapters of it and I threw it against the wall because I was so mad. And there was two problems with it. First of all is, uh, humans were complete underdogs and they were just getting railed by every alien species in the galaxy. And the second part was, is the writing was just it was so pretentious and that's the only way I can describe it. It was pretentious. It was like this author thought he was better than the reader and he knew it and he was going to make sure everybody knew that. And I I just, I looked at my wife and I said, you know, this book is terrible and I could do better. And she says, you know, either put up or shut up. And if you think you could do better, then do it better. And I was like, well, I probably can't do it better, but I'm going to do it anyway. So (laughs) I wrote my first book and you know, it it was uh, one of those things where I absolutely refused to allow, um, the, to follow the idea that humans were always going to be an underdog. Like at some point in our history, we're going to be stronger and better. One of my children is casting to the television standby a moment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Electronics, everybody's I, friend and the bane of every parent's existence.
2: Yeah, it's, it's really not. There we go.
0: <laughs> so, <clears throat> did you that, end up all. doing anything with that first novel? Did you write, or did you just trunk it?
2: Um, no, actually, I um, I turned it into a short story and I published it on uh, fanfiction.net, if you can believe that. Um, and that's kind of where I got my original start. It was the reviews there that actually led me into novel writing um, and these eventually the self-publishing world because everyone laughed at me when I tried to submit a uh, uh, submit a Manuscript to them and they all kind of laughed at me the only one who wanted to reach out was vanity publishers and I wasn't interested in that So I started looking into the self-publishing with Kindle and whatnot and that's how I got where I am now
0: It's never a good idea to tell a ranger they can't do something It just Generally encourages them to do more
2: Um, That's basically my whole life philosophy It's like if you tell me I can't or you're you're gonna laugh at me that I'm gonna make you look stupid Because that's my goal (laughs)
1: i've done that a lot it's exciting exciting.
2: oh yeah it's very exciting and then they stand there and they look at you and they're like hmm maybe i should have uh, been nicer like yeah maybe you should have now you have no more chances to do that so
0: many authors let their own real life experiences influence the stories they tell so were there any specific formidable moments that you feel like shape you as a storyteller
2: oh my god so many (laughs) some of them i can't even begin to uh Some of them I can't even begin to tell you, but yes, a lot of my military experiences uh, find their way into my books. Um, Some of them good, some of them bad. Uh, Particularly in my third, uh, the third book of the Ashes of Eternity series, Night Stalkers, that's called. Uh, I go pretty deep into the world of uh, veteran suicide and things like that because that's something that's kind of near and dear to me.
0: Is that any relation to the um, 160th SOAR, which is the Night Stalker helicopter unit?
2: It is. Uh they are the main inspiration for the main unit in that book because I believe the one sixtieth is hands down the best unit in the military. And the Marines. Literally can. you've
0: never heard of the five oh first. I'm sorry. That's a playback to his Star Trek roots or Star Wars roots. I'm sorry, it was a joke.
2: I said the real military. I'm not talking would... about stormtroopers because they hate... can't hit
1: is actually a real army unit. I know that. <laughs> I had. The, I wasn't uh, going to
2: insult the army. Come on, they're not marines.
1: I, I <clears throat> had the uh, the uh, pleasure of being in the Brigade Support Battalion 501st. Nice. No.
0: You get <laughs> so it was All massive, right. but... So, if you want to give the inter-service rivalry hate mail, send it to Seska at Blasters and Blades Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> And uh, she'll be happy to read through all of that for you and pass it on to the appropriate authorities.
2: There you speaking go. Of
0: the, yeah. uh, speaking of the military, so you mentioned that you served in the U.S. Army. So we ask all of the authors that we interview who were also veterans, how do you feel like your time in uniform affects the stories you tell?
2: I had a lot of time to think about it.
0: Okay, that's fair
2: hurry up and wait hurry up and think about it yeah that was uh yeah
0: (laughs) yeah that's the the one thing people don't realize about the military in general and war specifically it's a whole lot of waiting for the exciting stuff to happen but mostly you're just bored
2: yep pretty much yeah
0: that's why the stupid shenanigans happen because what else are you going to do when you're 18 and full of energy exactly
2: and And then you hear even you know even years later you still hear half right face and you're just like ah well i deserve it (laughs) (laughs) That
0: is the uh for those that didn't serve, that is the position when you're standing in formation to make it no, so no, everyone no. can that do is push-
1: not the position. That is getting ready for the position of being in pain.
2: That's yeah, it, that's that's yeah, maneuvers like
0: everyone it. so there's room for them to go and do push-ups. Exactly. And that is I heard absolute... that a lot in my eight and a half years in the <laughs> army. I know
1: everybody I, was
2: surprised. Where I
1: can still close my eyes and hear the counting that followed it.
2: So can I. So I actually did that to my kids. Uh when I, That's uh, parenting done right. Yeah, well, they would they would get mouthy with me or something like that, and I would I would just tell them to get on their faces and push, and they stopped uh, getting mouthy with me after that.
1: I, uh, I, I respect that. I can't watch my son do push-ups because my inner, the voice of my drill sergeant wants to come out. Yeah, I, I still <laughs> hear.
0: You know, they did it right when you can still hear them in your head sometimes, like. Uh, Every time I'm lecturing my kids <laughs> that they need to drink more water, I hear him
1: drink water. Oh my god! Thanks for saying heat.
2: that, Jr. I'm gonna have nightmares.
1: <laughs> but he likes to share his pain.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I do. Why that's
1: why
0: I write. It's therapy. Only you pay me for it when you buy my books. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm sure Jeremy will feel the same way when he makes his first billion dollars, because I'm sure that's coming. But uh, don't forget the little people when you when you rise up to the top. So I'm try. you try. do you ever draw from people you knew when you were in when you write oh
2: yes oh yeah a lot um matter of fact some of those drill sergeants even uh they had some pretty interesting stories older guys you know that were uh you look at them they're kind of gray-haired and at first you know you might think well you know this guy can't do nothing but then you see him and just like usually guys die young in the army so if you got gray hair and you're older you probably got some interesting stories so i would uh i'd make it a point and Sit around and listen to what they had to say because they always had something interesting. Um, but yes.
1: Our favorite chaplain was that guy. Oh yeah. He's got
2: the he's got the tower of power, and it's like, wait, you're stacking bodies in the Lord's name, damn. Yeah, Uh,
1: no, no, because he hadn't started as a chaplain.
2: Yeah,
0: exactly. And you get a lot of really good one-liners from your time in the military.
2: I had a few, Some of but those. not as many. I don't remember as many, unfortunately. Uh, my memory is a little slippery sometimes. So
0: yeah, mine too. But my favorite was the um, when we were doing the training when I was at the uh, I was at infantry OSA and we were at the infantry phase of it. And he was like, "You privates, all you want to do is eat, sleep, shit, and use up oh my god damn toilet paper." And I'm like, "That's my kids." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So I don't. Yeah. The one thing it made me realize, though. Uh, there were a couple of close calls in Iraq and you would think, well, in the movies, they always had those great one-liners. Like when this stuff happens, I'm like, that doesn't really happen. You say the dumbest things.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah, <laughs> I got a few of those, but that's definitely an on, off air story.
0: Yeah. I just remember thinking a couple times, I'm like, if I was going to do that again, I'd want to go in there knowing what was going to happen. So I could come up with something cooler to say, cause that was just dumb. <laughs> So. all right so when you draw from people that you knew do you change the name or do you do you give them full credit and let them know
2: um <clears throat> well that's uh that depends because some of my friends are uh <clears throat> excuse me some of my friends are passed on and uh so i would give them credit if i were still able to or i would tell them um but many of my characters in my books are uh formerly living people who uh did incredible things and their stories get told in a different way and then uh they get the recognition that i don't feel they got in life
0: i'm a firm believer that as long as we keep their memory alive they don't really die i lost exactly. a lot of friends along the way that way so if you're listening to this you're this is airing on the 26th and so there is still time to contribute through galaxy's edge if you go to their website we talked about this on veterans day but the mission 22 project to prevent some of those um those suicides from from happening because uh, i lost too many friends that way too so that's something all of us here are passionate about. So if that's something you feel so inclined, it's not too late to donate and see uh, if we can't make a difference. So, Absolutely. Do you ever draw on any of the people you serve with that you didn't like and be like, Haha, I'm going to show you corporal, lieutenant, whoever.
2: I Unofficially deserve- off
0: the book, of course.
2: Oh, <laughs> off the books in that case. Yes. Uh, 100%. There, there's people that uh, get registered all the time. Sometimes even <laughs> bad reviewers.
0: I like that. I never I've been told reviews. that is the best
1: part of writing as an author.
0: <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I mean they so, do it a little differently in the UK. There was one guy who got a bad review. He tracked her down and like brained her with a bottle. <laughs> what? Like, okay. Yeah, it was a, it was an indie author in the UK he was in uh near London and he traveled all the way to somewhere in Wales to like beat up this lady who gave him a one star. Which I mean I one can't even behavior. I think no, they're gonna need a please. little therapy. Well, he's probably getting it in jail. So you know
1: what? Said, ask there are three things everybody's got in common assholes, elbows, and opinions. And all those things should be kept to themselves.
2: Yep, exactly.
0: Yep. So that's right up there for me with the uh the guy that got stabbed by his coworker at the North Pole or the Arctic, whatever, one of those uh stations where they were doing research because he spoiled the ending. So the his neighbor had enough.
2: Yeah, I actually yeah. understand that a little bit better. Yeah, I, I think I. I mean, I don't. If I was the judge there, I don't think I'd vote to get Vic. That's for sure. <laughs> All no right. way. Like, totally. So, uh, totally understand. Now yeah. I will
1: say there is a certain aspect of there's a spoiler window where after that, like definitely you're in and like reading it is you know, and spoiling is kind of a, a dick move. But after like, if it's a movie that's inherently in pop culture, like Endgame. You know, you can't expect somebody a year and a half later to know that you haven't seen it.
2: Yeah, like sure. *Walking Dead*. *Walking Dead* was always a big one with spoilers. I, I got
1: cussed out at, at work for spoiling the ending. It was two years, almost two years after *Endgame* had come out. I'm like, yeah,
2: it's, how can you possibly, how can you reasonably be expected to keep something like that? Come on, I mean, yeah, yeah.
1: first two months, totally get it.
2: Yeah, thirty days, thirty days. Yeah. You now, if you see first. somebody's
1: actively reading the book. That's another story. Like if yeah. you're like, Hey, I haven't read Harry Potter. I'm reading it for the first time. And they're actively reading the book. Yeah. Keep your mouth shut.
2: Yeah. That's only courtesy though. I mean, but just walk around and be like, Oh yeah, by the way, Snape does this. It's like, Oh, come on. Really? Like, come on. Uh,
1: I have a friend who uh, got threaded at a con for wearing, there's a shirt and it came out like 48 hours. I guess the printer sped red the Dumbledore dies on page, whatever two years later, somebody screamed at her at a convention for wearing it.
0: Wow. (laughs) Okay, so you talked about how the time in uniform affects the way you tell stories and the kind of characters you put in there. How does it affect you as a reader or a consumer of content since you've seen parts of the world most people never have and parts of humanity as well? Do you think it affects the way you engage content?
2: You know that would be a really good question for my wife to answer, and she would be able to go off on several tangents about how I destroy movies, books, and other media because uh, I'll be like, you know, that couldn't happen. This wouldn't happen here. This is why. Why didn't you reload your rifle? You couldn't do that. You can't drop your rifle in the sand. So yeah, it's affected me negatively. <laughs> your rifle in your sand. In the sand, bad guy.
0: Yeah, and the dust cover, I'm sorry. No, close your damn dust cover. You're letting everything. Right? Like that just
2: drives me nuts. Like, dude, you're not gonna you're not gonna pick up a magazine out of the sand, bang it on your helmet, and start firing. Like, it's not gonna work. (laughs) You're gonna destroy it. It looks good on
0: TV, but it destroys the springs on the, the magazine as well.
2: Well, yeah, and I mean not to mention you're putting sandy rounds inside. I mean, even the bullet itself trying to go down the barrel is gonna destroy it because you know, friction coefficients and shit like that. But I mean, yeah, don't get me going on that one i, I go all day oh, I totally yeah, understand. And, and the other one is they clearly
0: never understand the concept of supply and how they the bane of our existence because they're like oh. just dropping magazines and just leaving on them I'm like no no no, you got to turn that shit in when it's over
2: or or you know your ta50 gear oh, oh yes. my god don't don't even get me started like oh i just i just destroyed this magazine pouch. i'm just gonna rip it off and throw it on the battlefield like yeah you're gonna pay for that later buddy like yes 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 you know what yeah, I, always I remember refer to as hot fuzz have you ever seen that movie hot fuzz with simon uh, Pegg? no absolutely hands down one of the best cop movies and it's a comedy of course and they're watching him and one of the other characters watching point break which excellent movie with keanu reeves uh simon Pegg says to danny his his buddy or whatever uh, police officer he says you know i won't deny that it's a no holds barred action thriller but he couldn't do that without accumulating a tremendous amount of paperwork and that's really like, that's exactly how I feel about all of that. So get,
0: when, when we were, when we were overseas, ahead. we were relieved by an air force unit. So we were doing our last official mission and we're turning everything in to, to certify the new unit. is like, they're good to go. And the, the weirdest thing is, so in, in the army, if you put a chamber of the round and you don't fire it, you don't put it back in the magazine. Cause you don't know you could have dented it or whatever. You cause yourself a misfire. It's a dead round they wanted us to account for in every course every time you go in and out of a base you're pulling rounds in and out of the chamber because you go hot when you're on out of the fob and stuff when we got back they're like we want you to count every single round and we need you to fill out a form for every round that's missing and i'm like you have got to be shitting me yeah this is then, like supply then, on steroids
2: that's the shit that they don't show on tv and no
0: so of course my uh, my platoon sergeant was old school so he's like yeah we're just gonna go try fire somewhere and the next thing you know everybody fired every round they had all gone nice love it (laughs) so anything we lost oh no we just fired it honest you didn't hear us (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so that's the kind of stuff those little details they never get right in in content or they just leave that when they leave the person they're like no no no, there's a lot of equipment right like that's ammo you could pass on to the living like why are you just leaving that shit like that's all usable
2: i think the the closest uh the closest movies that have got, I mean, even remotely close are John Wick. Of course, those movies are yes. excellent. And uh, Black Hawk Down is pretty close to about as accurate as it really gets.
0: Yeah, that ringing. Ooh, that still gets me because I, I can feel that one. The, uh, the cool thing about okay, John Wick wait, is if you. Wait,
1: wait, wait. I have to explain if anybody is watching this why I laughed because people get upset when I laugh about Black Hawk Down. Which is the entire situation, not funny. But in medic AIT, they literally pull up clips of Black Hawk Down <laughs> and going, and this is what is wrong. Yeah. So that is because there's so much medical in 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 a theater type situation going on in shown in Black Hawk Down, which is why they do it. Which is also now why I laugh when people talk. Yeah,
2: about because most, of, like, yeah, most of the medical things, but i guess i understand it we because call
1: it hollywood medicine for a reason and they're like, right like, my instructor was like and that's how you give somebody an infection that can cost them their life
2: yes exactly but i suppose that you don't want to scare off the audiences either by showing you know real life soldiers you know like so, real injuries and stuff but
0: so yeah. i've actually worked with a publisher and i put in there in my first novel stuff that really happened to me that i won't won't talk about on air because it would lose the family friendly rating but i remember him saying like you've you've got to take that out that's not believable you got to keep it somewhat realistic i'm like what are you talking about that actually happened to me because well i don't care they're not going to believe that jr so take it out
1: <laughs> yeah and so
0: that's one of those things sometimes you've got to you've got to edit the truth because the truth is stranger than you fiction can't handle the never believe you. that's right so and I it's one of th- yeah that's one of the things they did get right though is the ringing in your ears with all the noise like that that was spot on oh my god so <laughs> i did i did enjoy it but all so, right doc you get to ask your favorite questions
1: i get to ask the fandom questions because they're fun so we're changing the pace of the show to fun stuff the weirdest and funniest story you've ever had with a since you've started writing interacting with a fan
2: oh boy weirdest or funniest let's see which one uh let's let's go with weird first so uh there's a gentleman that i know uh it's part of a few groups that I'm a part of, unfortunately, and uh, <clears throat> he uh, he frequently will send me messages that are very random. And the other day, I finally was like, "Okay, I gotta ask you, why do you why do you do this?" And he says, "Well, I just really love your books so much." And I'm like, "Okay, but I only have like three four books out, but like, I, I understand that you enjoy them. But what what's going on with this?" He's like, "Well, maybe I just have a really good big crush on you." I'm like, "Yeah, we're gonna go ahead and um, we're gonna go ahead and hit that block button right now." Uh, that was definitely the weirdest interaction i've had with anybody so far uh the funniest was um i was talking to a guy and uh, this just happened uh the last week in vegas i was talking to a gentleman and he was telling me all about my books and i don't think uh i don't think he realized that he was talking to the author of those books because i had my name tag uh spun around it was facing my name was facing my shirt so he's going on and on tell me about how great these books are and i'm just like standing there smiling i'm like wow this is awesome and finally i was like you know who i am right and he's like well no i flip my name tag around i'm like hey look you know oh man he got so excited and had a copy of the book i got to autograph it for him that was Aww. great but that was probably the funniest most interesting interactions i've had but uh yeah the other the other fellow he's uh that was very interesting.
1: <laughs> there, there are fans, and then sometimes fans, as much as they love you, they still blow past the boundary, the comfort boundary. Way
2: This past. In the South, we just say, bless your heart. We say know, something they have... in Alaska, too, but it's it has a lot more four-letter words, so we're going to go ahead and say that. I was going to ask
0: you that, if they had an Alaskan equivalent, or do you just hide oh, the body sure in they the snowdrift? <laughs> or do they just hide the body in the snowdrift? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I can I can, can neither confirm nor deny that, so... Is it true that to graduate high school up there you gotta wrestle a moose? So uh sorry what well, it's a polar I asked him if he had to wrestle moose to graduate high school he said no it's a polar bear. <laughs> I was wrong.
1: Well bear, you are wrong. That's why we have the hashtag. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All so, right, back on track, Doc.
1: Is there uh can you give us the reader's digest of everything that you have um written?
2: Sure. So uh, I have the Ashes of Eternity series, uh, the main series, which is uh, Shockwave, Requiem of a Nightmare, and Night Stalkers. And I swear there's only two pretentious titles in the whole book series. I promise there's only one that's really pretentious. And, uh, (laughs) what? (laughs) Okay. Uh, Anyways, I have that series. And then uh, we have the novella series that are coming out, which uh, it's another, um, it's another series inside the series where they're not really novellas. They're actually, um, main series They're. I mean, let me start over. So main series starts and we skip ahead 6,000 years. Right. So I decided I was going to take these, uh, take these novellas and fill in that 6,000 year time period between the main series and these. So it kind of gives the readers a little bit more opportunity to, uh, world build and learn the characters and learn, you know, the, the history of the wars and why they happened. Um, right now, uh, I've got one of them is done, uh, from an author named Steven Kenichi and me. Um, it's done. I have to send it to my editor and I've been a little busy with my own project, so I haven't really gotten around to it. Sorry, Steve. I swear it's coming. I swear. Um, and then I have a standalone novel that's uh, going to be a three-part series called Child Soldier. That one is a psychological thriller that follows a kid named Jeremy Edwards. Uh, no pun intended. I uh, just, somebody I knew back in the day got. Uh, the honor of being named that um that one is really intense really psychological like i said uh definitely not for kids uh, a lot of mayhem sex drugs rock and roll that sort of thing so that's uh that's what's coming there and then there's a total of eight main series ashes of eternity books there's three out right now i'm working on number four um that one was supposed to come out the first of december but work and uh another project that i'm not allowed to talk about, uh, for NDA reasons, um, that one had to come first. So.
1: Well, but we'll expect it soon, right?
2: Uh, I'm, I'm hearing December. Relative. That's what I'm hearing. So yeah, I got to hurry soon up. And being relative. What's that
1: soon being relative? Like, no, like I'm actually hearing December.
2: Months. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay. hearing middle of December is when they're going to try and release it. So.
1: Awesome. That it sounds like a lot of, a lot of stuff to go on, but we are here to focus on Shockwave, Ashes of Eternity, book one. How did you come up with the premise? For, well, first, what is the premise? And then how did you come up with it? Expired MREs, chairs popping up the wrong hashtags, uh, not enough sleep.
2: Yes, all of the above. And most of it, no, I'm just kidding. It's not JR's fault at all. So, okay, um, basically, this is this is a funny story the main character's name is Destota valentine Destota started out as uh when i was a teenager i was super nerdy of course because we all are um i was engaged in uh turn-based online role playing on message boards for star wars and it was so geeky when i look back on it now i'm just like super cringe but
1: you, see, uh, Distota, you good spelling to do that back in the day
2: i did i well and i, was I have horrible
1: spelling so i never did those
2: i i was homeschooled my mom was really big on spelling so uh thanks for that mom awesome um but uh basically what ended up happening is i built this character and uh played the character for years you know you work up through jedi apprentice all the way up to jedi master blah 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 go on space opera adventures that's kind of uh you know just Mm -hmm. the fun of it so that character was born there and as i got older i was realizing how dorky it was and i was like i really want to but i really want to do something this character is so great i want to build something really interesting so um Uh, in the early two thousands, a video game halo came out and that was big interest for me. So I started playing that and I was like, you know, this is, this is good. Like I like this military sci-fi action a little bit. And the more I, the more I like the, or the more I dug into that world, the more I started building the distorted character to be more of a instead of a Jedi, a super soldier. So I, uh, I actually wrote the first iteration of that. It's called shadow of eternity. It's terrible. Don't read it. Um, Mm it's pulled off the shelves. I think I have like one copy left on my shelf. It's just so bad. But anyways, um, I wrote that and I, I liked the premise of the book, but the problem was that I had spent 15 years building it. And so it was stop and start. It was new ideas getting thrown in, go back and edit. And it was terrible. And so I decided I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to scrap the whole project. I'm going to scrap the name of the series. I'm going to go everything brand new. And I built shockwave and, the book title is actually named after one of the super destroyers in the book, which is the Battleship Shockwave. And it just it kind of bloomed into this whole thing. Um, the original uh, character was like completely unstoppable. You know, you just do anything. And it was a little silly. And I got to thinking about it more. And I was like, you know, we need to add more of a human element. So Destota got written back quite a bit on how strong he actually was, how what he was able to do. Um, still an excellent fighter. Still an excellent shot. Really good you know, I mean, a hyper ranger, right? So mm-hmm. that was, that was gone in that book. And then I also added uh, the character Mallory, who is uh Distota's one true love. And like the only real humanity that he actually has is his wife and kids. And that Mallory is based on my wife, which we were chatting about earlier. And it's uh, it became like this iteration of how I see my wife, which is, you know, complete goddess level or so far above me kind of thing. And then all of a sudden it just ran away. Like the entire, the project just ran away from me. And I, when I say it ran away from me, I do mean quite literally. I mean, there was so much that wasn't supposed to happen. And I was only going to write two books and I was only going to write three. And now I'm like, well, why am I going to stop now? Like they're selling, no big deal. So <laughs> that's kind of where that happened. And it's, uh, the, the premise is basically um, like I hit on earlier with the humans being so underpowered. So humanity is not underpowered. They suffer defeats like everybody does, but they're badasses in the galaxy. They built the biggest ships, they built the strongest weapons, and basically everybody just leaves humans alone because they're scary. They're scared to death of them. And I won't go into too many spoilers, but there is a lot of uh, twists and turns that uh, uh, focuses on the religious element of it. And a lot of people think that the religious element in the first book is me hating on God and religion and stuff, and it's not. It's the exact opposite. Um So the main enemy is called the Felb, the empire of the Felb, and it's based solely on corruption, right? So, you know, uh, I'm not going to go into naming names, but there are certain individuals within the world now that we live in that are corrupt beyond reason. And that's what that hits on. You know, it's not about religion. It's not about God. It's not about anything like that. It's about people using those things to further their power, which is something I am very much against in the world. So, that's what that hits on and then they start a civil war and it just spirals out of control the war ends and then come to find out there's aliens out there that have been kind of poking humans to try and go in the opposite direction from what they are and trying to make them fight so they're weaker and it just uh i don't follow tropes and i hate that word trope so (laughs) i i like just Everyone's always asking me, they're like, well, do you know what's going to happen in the next book? I'm like, no, I'm just as surprised as you are most of the time. So
1: <laughs> but you're a pantser then really, when you write, not a plotter.
2: Nope. I have a basic outline that I know where things are going to happen. Like uh, you know, I know what, which book is going to contain what, but that's it. Everything else is just.
1: <laughs> yeah. I I think that there's been some great books that come out like that. I will admit one of my favorite friends I talked to one time and It was so much funny. I wish I got in it on film. They were completely a organized person about everything. Like their outline was like, okay, just turn it into a sentence. And then they had one series and it's their series that took off. And it was everything just all went wacko. And then listening to them vent about that was quite fun.
2: Oh yeah. It's just a blast. I, I much prefer, I much prefer doing it that way than, um, outlining everything that's how child soldier ended up being as crazy as it was
1: (laughs) so um can we put the book cover up jr so we can talk about that for a few minutes because that is a super awesome book cover there's lots of orange in it which i think i think it'll stand i think that makes it stand out on a bookshelf though because
2: Yeah, the one I sent there is actually uh, the audio cover, too, which uh, was the highest resolution one I actually had on me at the time. Um, Yeah, the orange wasn't something that was actually supposed to happen, but it just kind of went together. And uh, I will say um, this is the first time anyone's going to hear about it other than the artist, but I'm actually rebuilding the covers for all of the Ashes of Eternity books right now. Um, We're actually going to get to see the characters' faces, so we're not going to do the Master Chief thing anymore. (laughs)
0: So
1: we
2: can, can I show. It? oh yes by all yeah. means please do so this is, so this is uh this is another one of our novella series this is void jumper and uh, as you can see it's written by Angela Watts um this is gonna be kind of uh one of those things where I guess you could say uh, it's I don't want to say it's progressive or woke because it's not but um something a little different that I wanted mm-hmm. to do uh this is a female character written by oh, um. A really awesome female writer and it's going to be narrated by katherine porter so nice. we kind of we kind of wanted to hit that whole female angle of sci-fi a little bit too so
1: as a female i totally approve oh well thank you <laughs> some of my favorite books are have female leads and then some of my favorite books do not so i mean yeah. it but they're they are an entire there it's the large female veterans are the largest growing demographic of veterans
2: out there i agree and, and so, and-
1: no no that's statistics actually
2: oh i actually yeah, know
1: that. <laughs> yeah no uh, that's actually statistically so it is very important that we make sure in literature that women can also see these characters too
2: because- oh yeah because you're not going to get into it if you, if it's just all men like i mean okay like you said some of your favorites are with men and but if you have books with strong female characters or focused female characters then it's I think it's much better. You're hitting a you're hitting a, an important part of our market and everything right there. So
1: yeah, and if you're talking about books that are showing you a world and a society, well, it needs to show you all of that.
2: Exactly, exactly. Um, I this like one here. this one.
1: It looks like he's a uh, in mop gear or <coughs> sniper ghillie suit. Yeah, it is a ghillie suit.
2: Um, that is uh, that is the cover for Mokalos. Makalos is a Swedish word. It means peerless, unrivaled. Um, basically being a badass. Uh, Makalos follows a gentleman who is part of the Swedish army. And uh, one of the main things that I didn't want to touch anything to do with in Ashes of Eternity is nationalism. There is no United States. There's no Great Britain. There's no nothing. Everyone fights everybody all the time. They're just, everyone's jerks to each other. So uh, this Swedish sniper is uh, one of the, this actually is going to be like right at the very, very, very lead edge of the war that uh, is fought on earth that eventually causes an entire group of settlers to leave. And this sniper is one of the main um, components of making that happen of getting humans off world uh, using a brand new ship that was stolen using alien technology, but I'm not going to go much more into that. So uh, he's going to, he's going to be kind of a focus in the entire series overall is uh, this gentleman that's, pictured in the cover and this what this book is about so it'll be it'll be interesting in the future that's for sure uh yes this one is the one that i was talking about that is done malium it's called malium is a latin word that means evil um this book is set about 2500 years after uh, the settlers leave earth and it focuses solely on the enemy side um which is the felb empire And tells their story and explains the depth of corruption and everything so this one this book is actually done i'm planning on releasing it uh january 13th of 2022.
0: so not too far away
2: no sir not too far at all
0: all right so we'll go back to the uh, cover of the book we're talking about to make things a little bit easier so So, let's talk talk about the book itself what would your 30-second elevator pitch be for ashes of eternity
2: 30 seconds i could do it in 10. archer and deadpool meet halo and starship troopers okay, okay. it's uh it, it's very sarcastic it's there's non-stop humor and that's you know jr you were there you know what it's like um one irreverent of the other things i can't stand up. is i'm sorry what
0: irreverent is all get up
2: oh yeah it's just uh it's not the way that soldiers are portrayed sometimes in military science fiction is, uh, you know, this upstanding, a uh, stiff upper lip British type. And it's like, no, no, 99% of us are just all jackasses. We're just kids doing dumb things. And, you know, it, it's one of those things that that's what I wanted to uh, impress upon all readers of this genre of military sci-fi. is it's, it's all a joke. It's all dark humor and running jokes. And we screw up constantly. And that's what. Uh, that's what the is all about. He is constantly screwing up. He's constantly making mistakes and it's hilarious.
0: And sometimes those mistakes end up being the right thing after all.
2: Yes, absolutely. Sometimes the mistake is the right answer. And sometimes the right answer is something completely off ball and he fails miserably and that's part of life and growing up.
0: Yes. And there's uh there's the other sort of reverse trope of that is, and I think somebody else has done that with, but. You know, if you really want to end a war quickly, you send all the old guys because they got no F's left to give. Yes, <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind playing with that because I took some stupid risks when I was eighteen and, and twenty two, and and over there the first time. And I'm just thinking, if I went at like forty five when my back is hurt from the from the you know ten years I spent in the army, I'm like, yeah, I might do things a little different and be a little less forgiving to the locals.
2: Yeah, I yeah, definitely would agree with that.
0: <laughs> oh, so there's there's room in there in the in worlds, and it sounds like your universe could support something like that. Yes. Like the Greybeard Battalion or something. I don't know. But um all right, so what is it you think makes your series special?
2: What makes my series special is uh we're very much what's a good word? I don't want to say inclusive, but that's basically what it is. We uh we strive for a very large um very large population of people that can come in and join in the fun. That's what makes this special. What also makes it special is like I said, we do that and humans aren't underdogs. uh, And we're, we're out here to win. And that's, that's what humans do in these books is they win all the time. Even if, uh, even if they get pushed back a little bit, they're going to win. And that's what really counts as far as you know.
0: Okay. Um, So normally doc gets asked this question so i'm not going to use her ridiculous made-up word but what uh tropes do you feel like shockwave hits the best
2: um well from all the sales so far and from you know my market watching i guess i would say the tropes that it hits are the standard military sci-fi super soldier genetic engineering um there's a lot of that but um Propolicious! Thanks, Jr. Wow. <laughs> um, I-, I was
0: avoiding it for you. I was trying to let you leave with your manhood intact.
2: Yeah, we all, Yeah, I guess. But oh, you're married, uh, so I guess it's a lost cause.
0: Uh, Ow! You know, Ow! Oh. <laughs> I don't really like the intro, to
2: be honest with you. But yeah. uh, I I follow a lot of the standard military science fiction um, temperaments and stuff like that. Like if you're a fan of any of the big ones, Galaxy's Edge, uh, Expeditionary Force, uh, what was that? What was that? Uh, Andy Weir one, the Artemis Project. If you're a fan of any of those things, then you'll like these for sure.
0: Okay. So, do you hit any specific subgenres? Is it straight mill SF? Do you military sci-fi? Do you mix anything else in?
2: It's military sci-fi and space opera-ish. And I don't know, what would that, what would that be called? Like a human, human, human condition story, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, so now in the story itself, what can you tell us about your main character? What makes them unique
2: in the crowded field of science fiction? My favorite topic. Uh, so there are, there are 200 and that's what, uh, that's what starts off the Night Stalker Battalion. As you touched on earlier, Jr. the O A R. But uh, basically, they were given that name because they were chosen at birth. Um, They were chosen at birth. They don't have anything special about them to begin with. They're not, uh, you know, they're not like uh, eugenically bred or anything like that. But they're chosen. And then at birth, they're given a set of genetic modifications that makes them stronger, smarter, faster. But it comes with severe consequences. So these 200 were created strictly to fight the war against the Feld Empire and to defeat them the problem was is that the creators of them didn't see that there was you know they didn't expect them to live past 30 was the biggest thing so um the vandorian people which is the main uh the main protagonist of ashes of eternity they live into the 500 year range because of their science but they don't expect these soldiers to live past 30 so they don't anticipate any of that so that's uh the valentine he is the first one to experience any kind of uh, negative side effects. And that's where I touch on veteran suicide and things like that in later books. Um, but what makes them special is they're the super soldiers with hearts of gold. They are, they only care about their planet, their people and to their people, to their loved ones, they are angels. You know, they're just, they do everything to protect their families. They do everything to take care of them to their enemies. They're absolute mad dogs. Um, there was a joke in, written in the book that I will share uh, where Mallory, the uh, the wife of Distota says, you know, I heard a story once that you took on a hundred Felb soldiers with nothing but a combat knife and a half a ham sandwich. And Distota says, no, of course not. That's a lie. That would never do something like that because there was no ham sandwich. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the kind of, uh, that's kind of characters they are. And the, those 200, um, They get beat up pretty badly in the wars um following the human civil war that i will talk that i won't talk much about because we're only talking about book one so
0: all right so were there any secondary characters that were especially memorable for you
2: yes so um there are a few uh michael kellis uh, um noku um mike kellis was a real person who uh we lost in the afghan war um Ivana Noku is based on a guy named Reese Caldwell and he's actually uh, not a veteran in any way, never served, but, uh, he's been my best friend for, I don't know, 25 years or something like that. Um, really good guy. So he's based on that. Uh, another guy I used to uh, do that silly star Wars role-playing with, um, Mallory Valentine, of course, based on my wife, um, Dukessa Venlent, who is starts out as a good guy and kind of turns into not such a good guy later on. Um, that character was based on uh my ex <laughs> um oh trying to think uh, there, there's uh oh peter stevens peter stevens was actually based on a very good friend of mine from the military um who survived a lot of things to take his own life so that's uh i try to keep him um uh, try to keep him alive as much as possible and uh, his memory alive as well
0: so that's deep does did you contact his family like did you let them know
2: yeah i did actually um good <clears throat> yeah i uh, <laughs> i'm gonna try to stay off that topic if you don't mind okay so no, no, i understand i just
1: speaking, speaking of characters and um and shutting jr up at the same time woohoo Super one stone. Um, you know what, so, Doc?
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna dock your pay today. I'm like, I, this attitude is just too much. I don't know.
2: Wait, you guys it, are getting paid? Like, yeah. <laughs> You're not. I'm
1: a yeah. JR. Publishing, button. But you know. <laughs> um. So, if your characters ever met you in a back alley and they knew who you were and the hell you've been putting them through with creating this universe and everything else, how do you think you would fare? I would die. Painfully?
2: Quickly? Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, it, it would be slow. This soda would string me up and do horrible things to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is fair. So uh, <laughs> I love how the, you're so quick about it. I'm dead. So uh, now I get to ask, I'm stealing JR's question. Woohoo. So um, we like, fans sometimes like to know kind of a sneak peek about behind the curtain. Of, or in the kitchen, how the sausage was made. Were there any cool scenes you cut from your
2: final edition of
1: this book and you used elsewhere?
2: Unfortunately, no. That's one I can't give uh I can't give good advice to because I didn't really cut any scenes out that I wanted to add. Um, everything that I wanted to put in the book is there. Um I did well, that's not true, actually. Um, there was a couple space battle scenes that I cut out because I thought they might be a little bit too lengthy. I thought they might be a little uh
1: just right, waves of missiles, and you're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Well, I, uh, <laughs> I really like space battles. I like, I like blowing things up in space. It's so much fun. But I get a little too long-winded sometimes, and I didn't want to turn into a Timothy Zahn where everybody was like, "Dude, get on with it already," you know. <laughs> so I, uh, I, uh, <clears throat> sorry, so I you get distracted so you, so you cut I, some of those? Yeah, I cut some of those out, but uh, all the battle scenes that I wanted were there
1: okay so we're going to kind of switch a bit off of this and in off characters and now we're going to talk about the world because with sci-fi and genre fiction speculative fiction the world is as much a character as any protagonist or named person so can you tell us a bit of what we can expect from this world
2: uh do you mean the the world like the galaxy at large or the planet individually yes you You're helpful JR, thank you. It's- well, okay, oh, let's nice. start
1: with let's start with how far in the future are we talking?
2: 6000 years. 6000
1: years from now, roughly. Yeah. Okay. Uh is this a colony that he's from?
2: Essentially, yes. So, okay. basically the world's called Vandor, and I had it first, Disney, damn you. Um Vandor is uh based on Norway. Uh my visits around the world have uh, kind of told me that I like that place the best. So it's based loosely on Norway if you can imagine the uh, the scenery there. Um a little bit higher gravity, so humans are a little bit tougher bone, a little bit stronger muscles. Um nothing too serious. Uh the galaxy at large um not as big as everyone thinks with uh, the Vandorian FTL drives. They're not like uh, Star Trek hyperdrive or sorry, warp drives, whatever the hell they call them. So humans can move around the galaxy a lot more freely. There's a lot of uh, interstellar trade routes with other species that don't really get mentioned until the fourth and fifth books of the series. Just simply for uh, logistical reasons, of course. Um, but yeah, the galaxy's not as big as everyone thinks it is when it comes to the Vandorian people.
1: Okay, so...
0: How did you come up with the name for the Vandorian people? Like how did that um
2: you know I don't really remember. I'm sorry. I I don't actually have an answer to that question. I don't really recall how that happened because it I came up with the name so many years ago it just uh it kind of eludes me. I apologize.
0: Oh, that's fine. It's a random off the off the cuff question. It wasn't in the I know, I know. So what you got to do is come up with like the standard BS artsy-fartsy literature type question. No, no, so- he doesn't. No, he does
1: and then not. You can be like,
0: while well, I was contemplating the meaning of life, oh,
2: yeah. drinking
0: my chardonnay. I'm sure they drink that.
2: I'm sure they do. I'm sure they drink something like that. Something pretentious. <laughs> 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 All right, doc.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, but no, so tell us a bit like how what can we expect from the level of technology? Is it mostly biotech or
2: yes, there's a lot of biotech, a lot of biotech actually. Um humans uh humans tend to follow a pattern through history, right? So we start out with spears and then we move to arrows and we move to swords and whatnot. You know, I mean we, we have our melee weapons, our long-range weapons. So from World War One on, we've pretty much used consistently the same kind of weaponry. And that's kind of where I based my estimations of, that uh, humans use projectile weapons, um, but they also use directed energy weapons. And the ships of the fleet, it's kind of a combination thereof you know we're using 16 inch guns like uh like the missouri had at the same time as we're using particle cannons like the starship enterprise has so we're kind of in the middle of all that but the biotechnologies are a lot higher uh the stota himself runs around non-stop uh getting hurt so he always has uh he uh one of the doctors develops medical nanites to inject into him so that he's not (laughs) always on the verge of death just near it um but that sort of thing is kind of uh kind of the norm in the entire galaxy. So the level of technology for the Phelps is, uh, moderated quite a lot because of their religious aspirations. They believe that uh, a lot of technology is not of God, so they can't use it. Um, they steal a hyperdrive from another species and develop it for their ship. So it's really, really slow. Um, and that leads them to be less effective and more effective. So like, You know, instead of one ship showing up and getting its butt kicked, then the entire fleet shows up all at once, and it's a little bit more of a fair fight with Vandorians whose ships are more powerful, that sort of Mm -hmm. thing.
1: But they probably also allow a little bit more independent command in their commanders because they can't get back to get all the information all the time. Correct. Yeah, no, that's actually really neat.
0: When you have um, non-traditional forces like that you know where you cobble together your equipment it does allow you as a creator to get like to, to think outside the box when it comes to tactics because like tactics are a yin and a yang as technology develops, tactics are counter developed to counter them uh you end up with people trained you know this is what we would do because it makes sense so if you get someone who doesn't have that training they can do all kinds of wacky things that you wouldn't traditionally think of because they don't know it's not possible
2: and exactly you
0: can factor that in yeah. when you when you set up this situation the way you did so do it's you play with the tactics at all or That's do you keep it yeah basically yeah if you can imagine it you can probably make it happen do you play exactly. with those tactics or is it more an action thriller like the way the story goes
2: um there's a combination there's not as much uh there's not as much tactical like heavy tactical actions and things like that you know it's not like how do i say like severely thought out and planned it's it's more of a uh it's more of a violence of action type situation. Like whatever's happening is kind of what's going to happen. And we have a battle plan, but as everyone knows, no battle plan survives contact with the enemy. So we kind of set it based on that, you know, the whole violence of action and like, Oh, we were expecting eight ships and 300 showed up. So I guess we're going to fight 300 now. So we kind of have to adjust on the fly instead of, uh, instead of using this one plan. And it's the same thing with the ground combat. We don't really go with any particular, um, tactical like military tactical thinking or anything like that it's just a free-for-all just a just a war that as it happens
1: so of all the tech you made for this universe which is the piece of tech you would want the most
2: me personally oh probably the life extending and um strength enhancers because i could really stop i could i could do with going to the gym without going to the gym constantly so
1: how would you i was going to ask how would you abuse that and is it by skipping gym day
2: Yes, absolutely. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> to be eight feet tall and four hundred pounds of muscle would be just awesome. I mean, nobody would mess with me then, but you know,
1: <laughs> you wouldn't fit in any vehicles either, though. Is the problem. I,
2: I drive semis, so it's okay.
1: <laughs> okay, so um, now you've talked a bit about the aliens in your series. Have um what inspired you with the aliens was it just weird drawings your kids made or you know sleepless okay. nights? again?
2: so the, there's the one protagonist or antagonist race is called the gilbaglians and they appear in shockwave and uh, requiem of a nightmare exclusively um they are birds and they are actually based on based very loosely on a star wars character that i read about in one of the expanded universe books and it was a single character standalone, uh, nothing fancy, but it's an avian species. So they're kind of, uh, you know, hollow boned and they, they're mouthy and they think that they know better than everybody else. And
1: like birds, uh,
2: just like birds, they, they think that they're <laughs> smarter than everyone and they're not. So, uh, the Stoda gets to lay the smack down on them and that's, uh, that was kind of the main alien race and whatnot, but, uh. A lot of the other races are products of my imagination and my wife's. Actually, uh, there's a race called the storm and it is an insectoid race. It is half spider, half praying mantis. And my wife is terrified of both. So she, she told me to, uh, (laughs) I see that doc, (laughs) but, uh, she, I I asked her, I'm like, well, what would you be most afraid of? What would you be most frightened of? And she gave me that. And I was like, okay, I'll make it, I'll make it happen. It's all good.
1: Yeah, nope, hard pass.
0: <laughs> so, so what? Um, you mentioned your wife again when you when you talked about your creative process. So, what role does she play when you're writing? How much of it is just you as the writer, and how much and her as the muse, and how much of it is is her almost as a collaborative partner?
2: So, I am a very linear thinker. I can think in a straight line from A to B without any questions. My wife can think from A, Z, D, P, T, Q, and I'm not capable of doing that. So I will get stuck and I'll be sitting here sometimes literally banging my head against my desk and she'll just, she'll say, well, tell me, tell me what's going on, explain it to me and I'll explain it to her. And she says, why don't you do this? And I'm like, God damn it. Why didn't I think of that? (laughs) So, uh, in terms of her being my muse, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily she's my muse, but she is uh like eighty percent of my creative process also.
1: Oh, that's sweet.
2: Okay. She's just sure. she's just more clever than I am. That's all it comes down to.
1: She did
2: pick you, but how clever could she be?
0: What? Wait, what did I say that out loud?
1: <laughs> R.
0: This it, is why you're it's okay. he mocks me relentlessly too. Shh.
2: I, I yeah, always he mocks do. me too,
0: so it's all good. Uh, it's, you know, when he's nice to me, then I wonder that he's plotting on me.
1: Exactly. So, so what?
0: Uh, with you mentioned that, uh, hold on, Doc. So, you mentioned that they the series you got four books out and you had plans. So, are you thinking like this arc could go on for um 12 books? Or are you just gonna let the story play itself 30? out? Do you have a, ah. a plan? Nope, no you plan. You can pull the David Weber and write it into your dead until you're dead and have someone else
2: write it too. Probably, yeah, probably something like that. Um Uh, Right now, there's there's a total of eight books planned in the main series. Uh, But like I said, originally, there was only supposed to be two. So, you know, it's one of those things. uh, As long as the readers still enjoy them, as long as people still buy them, uh, obviously, then uh, I'm going to keep writing them.
0: That's a good answer. As long as readers like it. All right. So this uh, interview is clearly winding down, but was there anything we didn't ask you about Shockwave, Ashes of Eternity, book one? Again, for the listeners, if you want to scribble this down so you can rush out to buy it, it's Shockwave, Ashes of Eternity, book one. Uh, is there anything that we didn't ask you that you wanted to tell us before we move on?
2: No, I think we covered most of it, actually. It is a fairly short book. So um, you we mentioned- do have audio. Um, it's in all formats. I'm Trying to overcome my own uh, my own ineptness when it comes to creating a hardback as well. Um, we have signed copies available on my website. Um,
1: perfect for Christmas shopping.
2: Perfect for Christmas shopping. But uh, so you have time to order it now. Yeah, absolutely. It, it'll, so, it'll be there on so time. So you have Christmas. all the
0: things. You have so audio, ebook, print. Uh, working on hardcover. Yep. Um, are you doing any box sets at any point down the road, like some authors do, where they'll add a new short story or something?
2: I am going to do a box set of the novella series, uh, probably late 2022, we'll get that done. And then uh, I'm planning on doing a five book at a time box set for the main series. So as soon as book five comes out, I'm going to box that one and sell that too. Very
0: cool. Okay. Um, So before we let you go, Jeremy, can you tell listeners how they can find you on the Wild Wild Interwebs?
2: Oh, absolutely. You can find me on Facebook uh, under Jeremy Spires, or you can find me at my website, jeremyspires.com. Pretty simple. It's right there on the book cover, as you see. Uh, You can find me on Twitter, at Spires Productions. And the same with, uh, actually, Instagram is, uh, I haven't updated my Instagram yet, so it's at Dreaded Guardian. You can find me there. Um, We have a fan group on Facebook. Uh, That's Ashes of Eternity fan group. Very easy to find. I think we're the only one out there. Um, and then my main Facebook page is, uh, facebook.com slash author, Jeremy Spires.
0: Okay. Do you have a YouTube or a Patreon that you uh, want to send people to at all or?
2: Uh, no, I uh, not yet.
0: <laughs> all right. Give it time. Give it time, people. All right. And you can find us on our website. At anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades, anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades. We are on the Twitters at twitter.com backslash sf underscore fantasy underscore show, Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. We have an email at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. Again, that is blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. We promise we answer all of the mail, even the hate mail, which of course we do forward to Doc. We'll make her deal with all that. Uh, you can support the show on our website at anchor.fm backslash and Tech Blades. It operates much like a Patreon system where you can pledge monthly, or you could support us uh, on a reoccurring basis on buymeacoffee.com, or excuse me, a one-time basis at buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Handley. Again, buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Handley. Be sure to put in the comment section. It's for the podcast. I will keep my co-hosts Nick Garber and Doc Seska duly intoxicated. They will drink until their liver surrenders.
1: Never surrender.
0: (laughs) All right. Oh, and I I need to tell you we are Yeah, because she's not a quitter. Uh, we are on the face base, so uh, facebook.com backslash groups, backslash Blasters and Blades podcast. Again, backslash groups, backslash Blasters and Blades podcast. That is where all the shenanigans happen. Uh, Suska and I bicker incessantly, and I try to convince her of the error of her ways that pineapple does not belong on pizza. Yes, it and does. And she is just wrong in committing heresy. Yes. Oh, good God. Why are you sucking
2: up now? It's over. The interview's over. No, I'm telling you. Ba- piece, pineapple absolutely belongs on pizza. Come on, man. Sweet e- and savory. How can you be mad yeah, about kinda- that? E? Did you bribe him? I am
0: right. Did you bribe him? Nope. Doc, how much did you pay him?
1: I paid him all of my salary from the show.
0: Dang it. (laughs) Net zero. (laughs) All right, Doc, bring us home.
1: Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. Happy holidays. I hope you enjoy all of them. Uh, for Nick Garber, JR Handley, I'm Seska. This was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week, maybe, with our same time, same where. We'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom as pizza with pineapple, which makes JR's head go boom.
0: There's no such thing, and it it's heretical. Yes, it, it is. It's wonderful. It's the delicious.
1: The Ranger agreed with me. How can I be wrong? They've had
0: too much.